Welcome to Jets Audibles, Eric Gallen, and as always, joined by my partner here, Chad Pennington, on our podcast, our weekly podcast. Okay, Chad, let's get right to it. Let's talk about Jets-Eagles 24-17, the green and white taste defeat for the first time in 2015. What are your major takeaways from that game? Well, first, Eric, I think it's exactly what we talked about last week going into the Jets-Eagles game. You're facing an Eagles team who is obviously struggling offensively, struggling to find uh, some continuity and trying to, to get a victory. So as a team playing against uh, the Eagles, you don't want to breathe the life into them. And having four turnovers and a special teams touchdown certainly breathes life into a team that is struggling. And so that's exactly what happened. That's what uh, the Jets did. They breathed life into a team, especially in that first half. Uh, they, they gave them life, and, and, and the Eagles were professional enough to be able to capitalize on some of those opportunities, and that was just enough to come out with a victory, and that's exactly what happened. Everybody deals with injuries in the National Football League. You know that better than most. With both Chris Ivory and Eric Decker out of the lineup. How much did that impact Ryan Fitzpatrick, especially early in that ball game when the team failed to establish any kind of rhythm? Well, that, that's the key word is rhythm. When you're talking about offensive football, you're looking for establishing rhythm. And sometimes rhythm doesn't necessarily mean points. But it does mean extended drives. It does mean eliminating three and outs. It does mean stability within the game. And when you remove two players like Ivory and Decker from the lineup, some of the rhythm and stability goes away, and other players have to establish that. And I think that the Jets really missed Eric Decker's presence in the passing game because even when he doesn't make flashy plays, he makes rhythm plays that allow an offense to stay on the field, allow an offense to stay ahead of the chains, which is really, really important. And uh, that was certainly something that the Jets were missing. Uh, the Jets were missing uh, in the game versus the Eagles. Knock on wood, he'll be back this Sunday when the Jets face the Dolphins at Wembley Stadium in London, England. We'll get to that here in a moment. What do you think about Devin Smith, the rookie from Ohio State? He gets in the lineup. I think he was targeted nine times. He had the three receptions. I know fans are lamenting that turnover deep uh, down in Eagles territory when Fitz went up top to him in the corner there when he had a one-on-one coverage. Well, I think there were flashes of goodness there. There were flashes and signs that, hey, this guy could be a really good player for us. I think that the Eagles came into the game knowing that this guy could run, that he was a deep threat in college. Uh, they were aware of that. That's why you saw some of the completions to him out on the sideline with the fade stop routes and the comeback routes. They were successful. I think you also saw that he does have the ability to penetrate the defense vertically. Um, what you saw with the interception, you saw a quarterback trying to get a feel for how to throw uh, to a receiver he's not used to, number one. And then you also saw a young receiver in that same instance not truly understand uh, what it takes to get open down the field in the NFL. It's one thing to outrun defensive backs in college, but in the NFL you 
typically don't just outrun defensive backs. You have to gain position on them, or they will make you pay. And that was what you saw on the interception. Ryan Fitzpatrick learning that I've got to really push this ball down the field more to a Devin Smith type of receiver. But then Devin Smith learning that, yes, once I do get by the defender, I've got to now push back into him and establish position because position is much more important than speed. Just how difficult is it for any quarterback in the National Football League putting it up close to 60 times? We'll take uh, Tom Brady out of the equation here because sometimes the Pats aren't even interested in moving the football on the ground because they're so prolific in the passing game. But that being said, this Jets team down 24. Fitzpatrick at the end of the afternoon, 58 pass attempts, and everybody here inside the building has said, hey, listen, that's not our formula for success offensively. Well, that's not a formula for for anybody's success, and and even for the Patriots, they would tell you that they don't want to major in that category, throwing the ball 58 times. Now, there have been game plans where the Patriots have played really good run fronts and things like that, and they've used the short passing game as an extension of the running game, and that's why they've been able to throw 50 times and be successful. But typically, for any NFL team, throwing the ball 58 times is not a formula for success primarily because you can't take the risk of getting your quarterback hit. Yep. Anytime you drop back, you're taking the risk of getting your quarterback hit and injured and 58 times certainly increases that risk. So it was one of those situations where they had to. I think the interesting thing about the game, even I thought that the two-minute drive before halftime was crucial. That was a great drive, some really good plays being made. Set the tone for the second half, and unfortunately the Jets weren't able to take advantage of some of the uh, – opportunities they had in the second half to get back uh, into the game and really make this a ball game, which it could have easily been. Yeah, great point there about the tempo. And, you know, we take Twitter questions every week. And Josh asks, with the tempo being flat in the first half against Philly, will Chan Gailey pick up the speed against the questionable Dolphins defense? And I love that question because, Chad, a couple weeks ago we were talking about that as well, that the Jets – got off to a relatively slow start against the Browns, but they had that nice drive at the end of the first half when they were in hurry-up mode as well. And then we saw it happen last week against the Eagles. What do you think about possibly picking up the tempo a little bit? Well, it all depends on what uh, your offensive philosophy is. And tempo, there's different ways to look at tempo. Some people believe tempo is no huddle. Uh, you know, getting to the line fast. Other people believe that Temple is just getting in and out of the huddle, getting the play called efficiently, getting up to the line with 20 to 25 seconds left in the play clock to really decipher what the defense is doing and see if you can put yourself in a in a better position with a better play call, whether it be an audible or what have you. So uh, it all depends. I think also Tempo really depends upon first and second down success. And the reason that you didn't see a lot of tempo in the first half was because there was no first down success there there wasn't a lot of uh, rhythm plays that allow your offense to get into a tempo and to get into a rhythm where they can start to be successful there were three and outs there were negative plays on first down at the running game or the passing game so it was just a very difficult half for the Jets to get into a nice tempo and rhythm you said it before, I think Decker is so key and so vital for this offense moving forward. Not saying they can't win without him in the lineup, obviously, 
but he makes them a different ball club. What do you think about Marshall's game? You know him. He's got unbelievably high standards. And Todd Bowles said, hey, listen, he didn't play to his standards. He didn't play to our standards. Did you think Marshall was pressing a little bit? Well, certainly uncharacteristic uh, for him to make uh, both of those plays because two of the turnovers were certainly on him. He would tell you the same thing. Um, it pushed the panic button a little bit, tried to make more out of something that was uh, not there with the, the, the lateral, the attempted lateral, which was deemed a fumble. Uh, that reminded me of Bill Parcell's Ten Commandments, and, and one of the quarterback Ten Commandments would be that impulse decisions normally equal mistakes. Mm. That was certainly an impulse decision that turned into a huge mistake, especially in plus territory. It was a big pass completion for the Jets. That was a first down completion uh, as well, and to really get your, your offense going and the crowd into it, and then something like that happens. And That was a player trying to do too much, take too much up on his shoulders. And then the second one, just that's a routine catch for him that he makes, and he didn't make it. So I'm sure he's disappointed in that as well. Jets fans obviously want to see Chris Ivory in the lineup. He started off uh, really hot this season in that first game against the Browns. He's been slowed by injuries. But you liked Bilal Powell's game, didn't you? I did. I thought Powell actually played well and did some good things uh, in the passing game especially. Uh, he created some space in the passing game. Uh, made a couple of good runs. I mean, when you look at his stats, they're not flashy with a little over 30 yards rushing and a little over 40 yards receiving. But I thought there were some positive signs for him that he is uh, an essential part to this offense, and he's a great complement to Chris Ivory. I think it was more of the situation and the team not performing well that you know dictated his stat line and his stat sheet. But uh, I thought that uh, for what he was given and the opportunities he, were, he was given, that he – he did make some really good plays for the Jets. My take on the defense was they played winning football, but with that being said, on the other side of the coin, I don't think they played to their standards. Uh, you can't put this one on the defense when uh, a special teams touchdown is allowed. Darren Sproles goes 89 yards. That was a key player early in the game. It makes it a three-point game, a 10 nothing game. Uh, and then... Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's, uh, inter, uh, after Marshall's fumble, actually, that lateral, the failed lateral, uh, the Eagles cashed in with the short field. But by and large, I thought they played winning football, and they shut the door down on the Eagles in the second half. What was your take? They made some really good halftime adjustments. Uh, the one area I would be worried is the matchups with the linebackers and running backs. Uh, Philadelphia had three chances and only took advantage of one of those with the running back coming out of the backfield on the wheel route where uh, you know he uh, he was able to beat the linebacker. But there are other, two other chances that could have easily been touchdowns as well. You're right. Sproles, uh, Sproles and Matthews still could be running. You're right about those uh, two. And I'm going to jump in right here is, is to say, okay, what can you change up? Because other teams obviously are going to see that. And uh, you know, throughout the National Football League, you see a lot of guys who are quick, explosive backs. You try to match them up against linebackers. What do the Jets have to do to counter that? Well, there's two things. Number one, your linebackers have to be conscious of it. And uh, you have to make sure as a linebacker you don't get caught 
peeking into the backfield in man coverage because then you lose sight of your running back and you're thinking he's just going to run a typical out route or flat route, uh, and he does and he turns it up. And that, that normally is what happens when a linebacker gets caught peeking into the backfield. That's number one. So you really got to work on that technique and staying on top of that running back and not uh, giving giving the edge to him. Secondly, you've got to focus on and you've got to be able to mix up your coverages to where uh, you mix in some zone coverages to where when teams are trying to call those routes on you, you're in zone and you've got corner back there waiting on him and a linebacker just covering the flat in zone, and then that takes away the wheel route as well. So it's a mixture of, of being multiple on defense with your coverages, and then when you do get the times that you are man-to-man on the running backs, especially with an offset running back, you've really got to pay attention to that wheel route. And you were talking about adjustments before, Chad. What did you see from them as far as what they changed up over the second 30? Well, they they uh, really honed in on the running game. Uh, they did a really good job of the first down production, making sure Philly didn't have uh, good first down production, and they competed for every ball in the secondary. Called some, uh, called the turnover, uh, you know, and, and gave the Jets a short field with that. And they just seemed a little bit more aggressive, seemed more comfortable with their game plan and trying to attack this Philly offense because even though the Philly has been struggling. That offense is difficult, and uh, you've got to make sure that your communication lines are right and uh, that your first down production is really good to keep them from getting into a rhythm and tempo because once they get into a rhythm and tempo, uh, no one in the league can stop them uh, with their no huddle uh, if, if you're playing behind the eight ball. So they did a good job of staying ahead of the change as a defense, staying aggressive and making those just slight adjustments to, to stay aggressive in the second half. Okay, brother, you were meticulous in your preparation as a player. The Jets this week have a unique uh, work week. You got practices here in Florham Park Wednesday and Thursday, and then by the time Friday hits, and people might be listening to this on Friday right now, the team will be in London, and they'll have a workout at a local rugby club, and then a Saturday walkthrough. How do you think that would impact you as you go about and get ready for the Dolphins? Well, you know, I had the opportunity to play in Tokyo in a preseason game, so I do understand the travel as far as the work week. I wouldn't understand it, but my guess, my educated guess would be that you would really want to hone in on these two practices as a player to, uh, as far as the physicality of it, your first or second down on Wednesday, your third down on Thursday, hone in on those physically, getting your reps, maybe even staying after practice a little bit, getting some extra reps physically um, to get those things in your muscle memory and really have that, all that hay put in the barn, so to speak, by the time you get on the plane. And then Friday and Saturday, to me, would be completely mental days. You're going to have to rely on your mental preparation with your red zone preparation, your short yardage preparation. And then Saturday, you pull it all together and kind of review mentally. But as far as physically for Friday and Saturday, I wouldn't think much of it. I would be trying to make sure I got used to the time schedule, that my my internal clock was okay, so then when Sunday rolls around, I'm ready to play a football game. You're a busy guy. You always keep a loaded schedule. Would you be able to sleep on the plane if you were a player, if you just uh, finished up practice Thursday, you had dinner on the plane, and then, uh, you know, you got to, you know, six hours ahead. It's basically like going to Seattle. Well, you would be able to sleep some, but it wouldn't be your normal sleep. So it would be more like uh, 
you know, one and a half hour naps or something like that uh, for the most part. And as far as your comfortability is concerned, and then you're going to try to catch up on on Friday, Saturday, and be ready to rock and roll on Sunday. I would imagine that's what I would try to do. Your thoughts on on National Football League possibly having a full-time team in London, England. What do you think? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I understand our international presence. I love our international presence. I think more and more people are growing to love the game of football. I kind of like the format as it is. I just don't know if, if that would be, you know, the, the right thing uh, to do for the football, uh, for the NFL and for the game of football, but also for the players, I think it, uh, you know, there could be a distinct advantage or disadvantage one way or the other if you had a full-time team um, overseas. So I like the international series as it is. I think it really drums up a lot of support internationally. It takes the game globally and, uh, it's it's a great series the way that it is. Okay, so Papa writes in and asks Chad, does Miami have a home, is their home field advantage negated by the fact that both teams have to make the trip over there? So there's a couple things that I want to add uh, before you answer that question. Is the Jets have won their last two matchups down in South Florida, and you know this as a former player. You guys used to have a ton of support in South Florida. You still do to this day. And the other interesting thing is, I gotta imagine London, the size of that city and how many New Yorkers travel and also live over there and do business over there, this might be like a Jets home game. It could very possibly be like that, but it's still not going to be the same. I mean, you're you're playing in a neutral site, uh, technically, for for both teams. So for the players, uh, you know, you may hear more Jets um, uh, crowd noise than you hear Dolphins crowd noise, but at the same time, you're still in a neutral site. It's a different arena. You're not playing in Miami. You're not playing in New York. And so it's different. Now, the one thing that the Dolphins have with for them is that they played in London last year. So they have the routine. Uh, they won there last year. And, and, and so they, they understand the drill and the schedule, which will be a little bit different for the Jets. But um, you know, I think this is a big game for Miami. I think this is a team that's struggling, that's uh, sitting there at one and two trying to figure out you know, what's going on with our team. So I think they'll be ready to play because they understand how important it is for them. I like this question. Uh, this is from the office pool. I ask, any split loyalty for you? What goes through your mind when the Jets and Dolphins are playing nowadays? Well, you know, I've always said that I really appreciate both organizations. I think both organizations served me well and treated me well, and I have great respect for both organizations as well as the people that I have met in both organizations. So um, I just leave it right down the middle, to be honest with you, and I know some people think that's wishy-washy but that's the truth because I I just had great experiences and and uh, my time with the Jets was a great experience and then when I went to the Dolphins that was the right time to be able to, to move on and, and to experience something different and and uh, so I I, I, uh, I don't root for one or the other um, you know when it comes to to that game I, I I really focus on the players that I played with and that I know that are still there and I watch them and and I root for them in their own individual performances. But, uh, you know, as far as team versus team, I mean, uh, you know, I I can't – I enjoy playing for both teams. 
What stands out to you about the Brickenshaw Ferguson, Nick Mangold, David Harris, guys who you saw as young pups and they're still going and they're still playing at high levels? Well, it's exciting to see young players that I was exposed to as a veteran and hopefully you know, shed some knowledge and wisdom to them while I was around them and to see their longevity in the league. I think any time you play with a player, you see a draft pick come in when you're with a team, you want to see his longevity because that means that he's, number one, been able to stay healthy, he's been able to stay productive, and uh, he's become a really good professional football player, and that's always positive, and, and I love to see those stories. Yeah. What are your early memories of Mangold as a center? I know Fitzpatrick loves working with him, and that's been a common refrain for, for all the quarterbacks who've come up because you – made the transition, I believe, from Hawaii you played with for a number of years, and then you started working with Mangold. Well, what, first of all, when Nick was drafted, we had uh, signed Trey Teague as a free agent from Buffalo, a That's really right. good center. And Nick was drafted uh, along with the Brickishaw. People were fired up about the Brickishaw coming in and being the staple left tackle. Uh, and Nick was going to be the backup center. And then Trey Teague gets hurt. And uh, OTAs and is out for the year, and Nick has to go right in. And from day one training camp, he is the starting center. And I don't think I'll probably only been around two players uh, as rookies on the offensive line that came in, and it was relatively seamless. Number one uh, would be Nick Mangold. The second would be Jake Long when I played with him in Miami. Uh, Nick, I mean, especially as a center, to be able to come in as a rookie and do what he did, and uh, we had no issues from a protection standpoint. Our communication was solid from the beginning, and that's a testament to him with his two degrees and how he thinks and his brain power and then be able to match that with his physicality. Uh, man, it was awesome to play with, and because that's what you're always worried about with rookie linemen. Is it, is it too overwhelming? Is it such a steep learning curve that you're going to you know, have a lot of ups and downs? And with Nick Mangold from day one, uh, you know, the Jets have been very fortunate, in my opinion, to go from Kevin Moye to Nick Mangold over this span of time. Uh, wow, what uh, luxury that has been. Hey, I know you like Tannehill as a player. We saw some good things out of him last year. But up front, the Dolphins continue to have uh, problems blocking people. And then you put the Jets' defensive line up there against them. How do you think they're going to attack this Jets defense? Because they really haven't been trying to run the football that much at all. Is it to get Lamar Miller out in space, like you talked about before, where the Eagles had some success moving the backs around? And then do you move the pocket? Is that what the Jets have to be anticipating? Because, Chad, on paper, or what I've seen from the Dolphins so far this season, the Jets are going to be able to get to Tannehill if he's sitting back in the pocket. You know, typically, you know, Bill Lazor came from Philadelphia, was uh, under Chip Kelly for a year before he went to uh, Miami, uh, and he really liked what Chip Kelly and, and the Eagles were doing with their running game. So I think that the running game will have some similarities, uh, similar to the Eagles and what they're trying to do. Uh, he'll also be able to then you know mix in uh, his passing schemes. I think. You know, the Dolphins will have to focus on, first of all, with, with Ryan getting the ball out of his hand quickly, um, You know, very, be very judicious with his footwork and his timing and making sure that he's not having to hold the ball if they're having protection issues against the Jets defense line. 
ball needs to get out quick. The ball needs to get into the playmaker's hands fast and let them make plays in space. Uh, the longer you hold the ball against the Jets' defensive line, the, the more uh, it plays into their hands. So that would be my game plan is to you know look at the Philly running game, see where they had some success in the running game. The, the, the Eagles did have some success on the edge, being able to run those stretch plays and then find those zone holes. Uh, to create some yards there. They also did have some success with their running backs against linebackers. And uh, and then also, you know, be able to use uh, Jarvis Landry and, and those type of players um, uh, to, to make some hay in the uh, in the passing game. Yeah, Jarvis uh, Landry is a stud, and I wonder who the Jets will match up with uh, when you're looking at uh, the Dolphins right now because they're kind of feeling, it seems like they're feeling their way out offensively. They got some new guys in there, whether it be Stills who came from New Orleans or Devontae Parker who they drafted. Greg Jennings is there. So it still seems like they're kind of trying to figure it out offensively. On the other side of the ball, I know you haven't broken down 180 minutes of Dolphins tape so far, but when you look at them, defensively, in especially that front seven, you would say, shouldn't they be playing better football? They got a lot of talent up front, uh, specifically Ndamukin Sue, Cameron Wake, they got uh, Werner as well. Uh, you know, I'm surprised by what's happening with them defensively right now. I am too, and I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a player's issue, I, I would imagine, of being able to get on the same page and basically just play better. You know, do what you're coached to do, do your job, so to speak, and just play better as a unit and, and play better as a team. I think that's probably, you know, the biggest thing. The expectations were high on the Dolphins, and sometimes when the expectations are high on your team, um, you, you forget the little things that create those expectations and make you a good team. And it's the little things that count. It's the details that count. It's the small sacrifices that you make player to player to make sure that the the team as a whole is functioning correctly and winning football games and and that's what it's going to be about and I think you know the Dolphins are, are probably you know kind of circling the wagon so to speak this week understanding that this is a big game for them um, that they you know just lost the division game and now they're going on the road playing their second division game and they don't want to be 0 and 2 and 1 and 3 two in the division and one and three after the first quarter of the season that's for sure yeah and obviously i was talking about olivier vernon uh so last question what do you want to see from fitz this week as they come out sunday at wembley stadium what do you want to see from him commanding this offense and hopefully the jets have uh, 87 back in the lineup i think uh, right now, it sure looks like Chris Ivory is going to be a go, so that will be a boost as well. Jets are dealing with another other uh, injury up front, actually. Brian Winters has taken the place of uh, Willie Colon, who's down with a knee injury. Well, I think I think uh, as a veteran quarterback, your goal um, on the road this week is to uh, make your routine plays that create stability and rhythm within your offense. Hit the plays that are there. Don't force the plays that aren't. It's similar uh, in facing the Dolphins like when you're facing the Eagles. You don't want to breathe life into them. Uh, you want to make sure that if they're going to score and they're going to give themselves a chance to beat the Jets, you want to make the Dolphins earn every yard and every point 
that that they have because uh, if you breathe life into them, that gives them a little bit of momentum and it makes it more difficult. So as a quarterback, you, you approach this game saying, I need to make rhythm plays, I need to make plays that stabilize our offense. And then when those opportunities are there to, to score touchdowns and get the ball to my playmakers in one-on-one situations, let them make plays, I do that. But I certainly don't want to force the issue uh, with a post route down the middle or or anything like that, forcing them into double coverage and, and really you know, turning the tables on us as an offense. Only 16 games, and you played in a lot of them, is my final deal, is how big of a contest is this for the Jets, considering it is a divisional matchup, considering they started 2-0, considering after this week they have a bye. You either go into that bye 3-1 and with the divisional road win, or two and two after a two and zero start. It, it's a big game for the Jets. It, it really is. Uh, number one, I think it's a it's a big game because you just want to get that nasty taste out of your mouth of a loss uh, against the Eagles, and and really a loss that you feel like as a team you caused. The, the, the Eagles didn't beat you; you lost to them um, because of the opportunities that you gave away. So. Uh, anytime you come off of a loss like that, man, you're just, you want to play the game. You're trying to get to Sunday as fast as you can, uh, to get that taste out of your mouth. With that being said, if they come back two and two, it's not the end of the world, um, so to speak. Although you'd like to be three and one with a one divisional win, there's no question about it. And you would like to create some separation. You'd like to now be up there, um, uh, with, with Buffalo and, and with New England, um, at, at three and one, you know where New England could possibly be four and zero, oh, three and one, and, and Buffalo uh, could be three and one as well. You want to create some separation. You want to try to stay up there at the top of the pack and not be in the middle of the pack because these early wins, although it's not um, the end of the world, they really help out at the end of the season. They they do, and sometimes we forget about that uh, that these early wins that man they just kind of make things a little smoother once you move into the meat of the schedule and the end of the schedule. Well said, buddy, as usual. Well, I'm ready for my trip across the pond. Uh, We're going to have live coverage all weekend, so if you and the boys are up early on any of those days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you can check out some of our programming on NewYorkJets.com. What do you think about that? (laughs) No doubt. And have some fish and chips for me, and I'll check you out on the program. Okay. Okay, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Eric.